0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Kurt Sumner here for NSPS Radio Hour for another day on uh, Monday. My guest today is Gary Kent. I think most of our listeners know Gary. Gary is a longtime member of NSPS and active in a lot of different ways. And In particular, Gary has been our lead person now for a long time for the ALT ACSM Land Title Survey Standards and I say that ALTA ACSM because in February of 2016 mm-hmm. that is going to be ALTA NSPS and I think I heard Gary just come on the line
2: yeah I'm I'm on I have
1: no idea why it wouldn't be <laughs> <Yeah>. the, uh, <laughs> Gary the, the reason I, for the audience is uh, uh, benefit, the reason I was kind of stalling is that we were waiting for Gary to be able to get on the line, <laughs> and he hadn't been able to. So, so and Gary, I was I was just uh, telling people you were going to be the guest today and that our our standards beginning in February next year are going to be the LTA NSPS standards, and we can talk about that a little bit. But right. I, I actually thought to myself as I printed out uh, the red lines that you sent out the other day after our meeting, mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I should start the show and say, well, Mr. Chairman of the ALTA NSPS Committee, I see the proposed changes for uh, the 2016 version, and there seems to be more red ink on this page than there is black ink. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I remember you making the comment during the meeting last week that I don't think anybody ever anticipated when we went into the 11 version, that we would have so much to look at for the 16 version. And I don't really yeah, want to that, talk about uh, that to begin with or not, but uh, the reason sure. for the show today, everybody, is to have Gary on and, and kind of go through uh, what we we just had a final committee meeting last week in Chicago of the LTA representatives and NSPS representatives to work out what we are considering final wording um, for the for the standards and then putting those out this fall for NSPS and ALTA boards to approve before celebrating um, the birthday next February 23rd. <laughs> uh, the the, uh,
2: the, the uh, festival.
1: The festival, that's right. So uh, you can talk about that, too. I know a lot of people have heard about that before. But anyway, thanks for, for joining me today. Um, I, we talk about the standards a lot, and oftentimes when you're on the show, we talk about issues people have raised. Um, maybe that, that might even be a good place to start for all the red ink we have. <laughs> Just looking back over the last five years, that, it's amazing that it's almost a never-ending conversation.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, it is really interesting. You know, when we uh, started work on 2011, by the time we finished the work on the 2011 standards, I think it had 23 pages of suggestions and uh, as we got started in the 2016 um, version, I had commented. I said, "Well, we're we're certainly not going to have as many suggestions as we had last time." Well, we still ended up with uh, I don't know 15 or 16 pages worth, uh, and um, and the committees, both committees, both the ALTA committee and the NSPS committee, uh, review all of those. So I, as you know, Kurt, because you were on that list, was constantly sending out. Um, new, new lists of all the suggestions and uh, throughout the last two years, really. And, um, and we did end up with a bunch of them and, and a number of them that both committees thought were valid suggestions. And it did result in, uh, let's see, I'm just looking at the sections. Yeah, the records research is, is almost, not entirely, but very much reworked. Uh, some, some quite a bit on some of the fieldwork items, uh, quite a bit on the plat or map, uh, and, gosh. Um, but, you know, some of the, an awful lot of the red uh, on here that, that changes. As, as you know, Kurt, we, it isn't, in some cases, not so much that we um, Made major changes. Is this uh, some rewarding and modifying existing wording that was so modified uh, and moved things around to the extent that it was easier just to strike that whole section and show the new section rather than trying to show all of the individual crossouts and and uh, additional stuff. So that's one reason there's a lot of on there.
1: And um, two, sometimes one thing leads to another thing.
2: Am, yeah. uh, absolutely, yes, you absolutely.
1: A, you have a suggestion or a uh, alteration you want to make, and then that affects something else. And of course, another thing that that's been interesting over the last period of time, and it's actually pretty consistent, I guess, with the fact how long this radio show has been going on. Because um, we started the show in 2011, um, a month before we the the 2011 standards went into play. And then through that period of time, you've been on the show uh, quite a bit and talking about various things. And in News and Views, we have a column now about when we have people write in about a particular issue, we'll have the, the ALTA question of the week or of the month or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's been a good outlet, I think, um, both the show and, and the newsletter, to have people to bring up things uh, – and every now and then we get one that we never anticipated in any way <laughs> so, yeah it's
2: always uh, every now and then I'll say to myself well
1: I thought I'd heard every one of them and there's another one <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very very true and so I, maybe and we got about half of this first segment left maybe you could spend a little bit of time talking about the whole dynamic of the way the committee works uh, and some people probably know that but some don't and just how 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 uh, Cohesive the group really is.
2: Sure, um, the uh, the NSPS committee. Sometimes people ask me, uh, you know, who's the NSPS committee, and I, I suppose well, it's pretty much who shows up at our meetings, and uh, which are held in the spring and the fall in conjunction with our with the meetings or the conference. And there are a few people who have been constant through that whole thing, and I really appreciate them in particular Uh, as I mentioned up in Chicago last week Judy Beale because I know there were two meetings where Judy and I were the only two people in the room which is usually what happens right after a new set has been uh, has been adopted there isn't a whole lot of room or reason for meetings but uh, we normally as we get working on the new standards we'll have uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 people in the room and I bring in all the suggestions and uh, which I commit to people if you make a suggestion it gets on the list doesn't I don't vet any of them. And uh, and we will sit down and go through that list item by item and collectively by uh, this is NSPS come to consensus as to what we think is are good suggestions for what we think are not good suggestions or at least suggestions that we're not that I incorporate and then start developing a draft, uh, then I would then send that draft the ALTA committee so that they were constantly in the loop and I actually met with them uh, in Philadelphia back in March so that we could go over the work that NSPS had done up to that point and go over the suggestions so it was very much an iterative process and what we have always done as you know Curtis as we get to a kind of a final version then we have a joint meeting between the two committees. And that's always been in August. And uh, uh, the last few times we've had it up at O'Hare Airport, and ALTA arranges the, the room and all of, makes all of the arrangements. And both committees fly in. I, I drive up, and uh, we spend an entire day, as you know. We started at 9, and we ended at about 5 minutes till 5 this time. And literally go through the entire document, and uh, so that we are all comfortable with what's there and kind of proofing it as we go and uh, and come out with a document that we uh, then intend on submitting to the two respective boards for their consideration. And, and as we discussed up in Chicago, the ALGA's vote will be on October 8th, and NSV's vote will be on October 9th this year, so right back to back.
1: You mentioned Judy, and of course Judy was at that meeting, but... We also had uh, uh, a couple of uh, other people there representing NSPS, along with the so. And I know, of course, Paul Byrne was there from Nevada, and Malcolm Shaw from New York, and and, uh, you and I, and
2: Uh, Todd and uh, Todd and from uh, Phoenix.
1: Right, right. So yeah, I guess the um, the the point I was making is it's it's not a group of guys or group of people. from one particular area of the country, it's pretty well across the board.
2: Right. Actually, in 2005, we had uh, uh, Pat Beeler from from Seattle, and uh, but yeah, this time we had uh, Paul Byrne from Vegas. We had Todd uh, Rockstead from Phoenix. We had uh, Judy from Virginia Beach. We had you, and uh, and then I'm either I'm there as chair of both committees. I try not to necessarily represent either. Uh, either side, at least not too rigorously. On the, on the title side, we had uh, Dick Bales, who is with Chicago Title, uh, out of Chicago. We had uh, Justin Early, uh, Todd D'Amico, and um, on the phone, Gene Alseth, all of who are with uh, First American. We had on the phone um, Denise Burge, who is with Old Republic, we had uh, Jack Zachall, who, uh, gosh, I'm um, at a, a loss as to who he is with right now. I'll look him up. And then uh, Mike Waywood also, on who was on the call. So we had a really good cross-section of people uh, on the call. And in. Uh, and I, I neglected to say Malcolm Shaw from New York City. Uh, who was on the survey side also. So we had about an equal number of title and survey people uh, in the room, and then there got a couple other title people on the phone. Um, and I, I just think it's really important to have a good cross-section of um, people who are familiar with the standards to use the standards in, in a variety of different ways.
1: And one of the things I found interesting um, in, in our discussions last week was um, – how many times, not not that this was pervasive in any way, but oftentimes we'd be talking about an issue and then the, the thought would come up, well, when you're dealing with this issue, you're going to end up making a business decision about how you're going to address this. Yeah. Which which, yeah. which we I'd never really heard that a lot in our discussions before, but it's really relevant because it does come down to that in some cases that uh, you as the provider and the person who's asking you to do something uh, have to somehow come to an agreement about how it's going to occur.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that was very, very, interesting. Uh, that was very interesting. And, uh, and you know, as a result of that, I think we got a, uh, a commitment uh, from ALTA to have some, some additional meetings to talk more about those types of issues because it is very true and, you know, Malcolm spent quite a bit of time talking about that, that uh, you know, we've got standards and we don't know what standards say, but we also have uh, business decisions that we have to make, and as a, a very obvious example, is someone wants successors and assigns in the certification. Well, you know that's the the standards certainly would allow that. And we, fact,
1: we need to go to break, Gary. Maybe we can come back pick up on that. One. Yeah, come sure. Back.
2: Let's come back and uh, and talk about that then. Okay.
3: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebradio.com anytime you like.
4: Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to QuickState.com. that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
3: Attention surveyors, Seansted announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seansted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seansted.com. Seansted, the best just got better.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for
1: listening. We're back with Gary Kent talking about our most recent discussions and decision-making process for what's to be proposed to NSPS and ALTA boards for the 2016 version of the minimum standard detail requirements for ALTA and now NSPS land title surveys. Maybe we should talk about that title a little bit too, Gary, but... Uh, just briefly, uh, maybe we'll circle back to uh, that, that discussion we were having on the business side, and um, I, I think the audience appreciate will appreciate that as, as we did and as we were going to it because, as you said when we were chatting during the break, sometimes that comes down to there you are on the final day um, at the closing table or wherever the case may be, uh, the day for you to turn in the work, and then it's, well, you need to do this or that, and and that, I think, is how the whole business decision thing came, came to be in terms of our conversation.
2: Yeah, um, and there are, there are so many aspects to that. I, I mentioned right before the break, you know, successors and assigns, and I get a lot of questions on that. And, the, you know, the answer to that is that uh, you don't want to do it to the buyer, uh, provide successors and assigns. Title uh, The title insurers don't need successors and assigns. Uh, in their on their side, it's the lenders who want successors and assigns, and there really is no no issue for that because you're liable for the length of the loan, and and the if the lender sells a loan to some that doesn't lengthen it, so you're still liable for usually seven years. But in any event, that's that's an example, and and the stuff that happens right before closing, which is well, we we need to height to the building, and well, you've already sent the invoice, and and you know. So you make a decision. Well, I'll, I'll, okay, we'll run out and get that, or, or whatever it is. It, it's very interesting that there are so many business aspects to doing land title surveys that that uh, fully recognize the standards can't address them. That you know, and yet it's part of the consideration when you look at the
1: whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that you know, talking about the name change from LTA-CSM to LTA-NSPS, it was. With the discussions that's gone on about that uh, for a long time now, really all almost through this whole last cycle uh, from eleven going forward, yeah. um, it it's reminded me in a way of uh, uh, bracing yourself for a, a blizzard in the winter time, and and you do all the hard work and you you make sure you bought the groceries and and put everything together and batten down the hatches, and then it snows three flakes and goes away. Um, this wasn't exactly like that because, you know, there was a lot of angst about, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do that? It's a historic name, and the LTA people are going to hate that. And 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 we, and we did have to go through some issues. I'm not belittling all that. But in terms of this anticipation that was built up in the end, it, at least from, from my perspective, it didn't seem like it was that big a deal.
2: No, I agree. In fact, uh, you know, we first talked about it in 99, I think, maybe 2005, but, uh, you know, kind of decided not to um, for a couple reasons, legacy reasons probably. But uh, I got encouraged, and ALGA, uh, Kelly uh, Romeo, who's our contact there, had talked with people there, and they, they had some really good ideas on how to smooth that transition. And uh, and then we had the conversation about well, um, you know they are ALTA ACSM, but what does everyone in the world refer to them as? They refer to them as an ALTA survey. Uh, even so us? we, even <laughs> us, yeah. Well, I, I try not to because it kind of annoys me, actually, uh, because I think we're belittling our profession by calling them ALTA. I, I, I was saying a
1: little more of the bigger uh,
2: surveyors. In yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do agree. Yeah, surveyors do that, and I admonish surveyors every time I do a program to, uh, to you know, if you say ALTA and you don't say ALTA NSPS, I think you're belittling our profession because that is the title and, and we're part of it and we ought to be recognizing that. But in any event, everybody recognizes them as ALTA. And so I think we you know, came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to be a huge big deal. I'm sure there's going to be some questions coming in along the way that I know ALGA will help us with that and, uh, and, and, and letting people know ahead of time. And um, we'll, we'll get some articles out and hopefully which is maybe we're concerned, but it turns out to be kind of a non-issue.
1: Yeah, did we come to the conclusion at the sometime during the meeting that was there going to be a statement on the 16 version so everybody is aware of the change or
2: yes, it, yes. that
1: it's actually still the same group of people? It, it is,
2: yes, it is on air and it's in uh, Section 2, I believe I can read to you what it says. Now it's in section one, which is purpose and and it says no detention is directed to the fact that NSPS is the legal successor organization to the American Congress on Surveying and Mapping uh, ACSM and that these 2016 minimum standard detail requirements for ALTA and SPS, land title surveys, are the next version of the former minimum standard detail requirements for ALTA ACSM title surveys. So we're trying to close that loop. Uh, or probably attorneys who might get really concerned that something is, is awry there.
1: Yeah, so, so that is or, or that'll it's a different be a group room. of people or whatever the case.
2: Right, right, that it's someone else. So that'll be a one time, well, it may not be a one time. No, we may need to leave that in there for a couple versions, I suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So uh, maybe we can, and I don't know how you want to cover this exactly, if we want to talk about major issues and get those out of the way first. Or, yeah. or just go through, and so I'll, I'll leave that to you to decide what's the best way, or, or the things you see as the ones that are perhaps striking, or that people will need to be aware of more than anything.
2: Sure, I think that's a, that's a good idea. Uh, the, the first one is uh, in the records research, and that is an item that we have uh, dealt with, and in, in to some sense, vaguely over the years because different different parts of the country, people do different things, uh, and different states have different standards. There's all kinds of considerations there. But we always kind of left some of those issues uh, kind of open, and this time, we're trying to close the loop a little bit on what is to be provided, and then answer the question, which is the one that always comes up, which is, what if it isn't provided? And, uh, and what we're doing is saying, well, if, it, if the documents that you are supposed to get, these standards are not provided, then you need to do the research as a surveyor. The surveyor needs to do the research that would otherwise be required by their statute or their administrative rules in their state. And, and so we're trying to, you know, make a correlation there that if, for example, uh, the standards say they have to provide us with the joiners. Well, we know generally that that the title company doesn't want to provide adjoiners, and there's reasons for that that are perfectly logical. Uh, well, if your state or uh, if your state statute, and in some cases standards are not statute, uh, most of them are administrative rule. But if they are, if your state standards don't require you to get adjoiners, then if they're not provided, then you don't have to address that issue. Uh, on the other hand, if uh, your state, uh, as most states I think, would require that the surveyor look at uh... well, if they're not provided, then the surveyor is going to have to go get them themselves. Which is probably what they would have had to do anyway if uh, if they were just doing a boundary survey, they'd have to do that. So we try to close the loop on that that whole uh, research thing that had been a little bit vague. Uh,
1: and yeah, no, another thing, another piece about that one is, um, sometimes you hear people say, "Well, they can't expect me to do that." Well, like you said, if it's something you have to do in your state, whether it's an ALTA or any other kind of boundary survey, uh, once again, it it it's kind of goes back to the business side of things. It affects the cost. Yeah. Right. So if you're right. if you're going to have to do something that that was anticipated somebody else was going to do, or I know in in my case, I. When, when I was practicing all the time, I I never really quite trusted all the information I got, particularly as it relates to the boundary part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. on the on the title side, on the easements and those kind of things. And you know, I was pretty comfortable dealing with what I was provided, unless I found something that led me to believe there was something missing. Um, but on the boundary side, the way I always phrased it, well, I don't want anybody else doing my boundary research because yeah. I'm the one that's going to have to make that determination.
2: Right, and, and you're the one who's liable for it. So, right. Yeah, that's that, That's what I have told people. I said, you know, well, get a sense. If your local title companies are going to be providing you those documents, then, you know, if you trust what you get, then, then have at it. And, and on the other hand, if you realize that your local title companies generally are not going to provide you with the adjoiners, then just build that into your cost and, and know that, well, the reality is you're going to have to do it anyway in Indiana. And in most states, the, the, the surveyors have to do that.
1: Right. So you know,
2: if if, if the title company is is nice and and happens to provide me that stuff, I'm like great. Uh, but if they don't, well, I'm back to where I would have been anyway, which is having to do it myself.
1: Yep, exactly.
2: Uh, there were there's a number of things in section five, which is on the uh, on the field work. But you know nothing, I don't know some reworking of stuff we do put in there that the precision, one of the things that has been left out in the past is the precision to which we need to locate certain features, you know the curves or the or the flagpole or the sidewalks. you know what precision is that? And what we have said is that's the everything you locate needs to be the, to the precision that is appropriate. Base to, to the surveyor and the surveyor's opinion, that, that that precision, which is appropriate based on the planned use of the property, if that's reported in writing to the surveyor uh, by the client, lender, or insurer, or if, if the planned use is not reported in writing, then we would locate things to the appropriate degree of precision based on the existing use. And, um, and you know, I think that's probably what most people do, but that clarifies that. And of course, as, you, as we all know, most of us are out there locating stuff to the same precision regardless of what we're doing. We're using GPS or a total station or whatever, and we're going to locate things uh, quite precisely regardless, but uh, but that kind of uh, answers that question.
1: And then, of course, we, we clarified a little bit, and we're a minute or so away from our break, so we'll come back to this section, obviously, but... Um, uh, where, where we talk about, we used to say location and description of monuments. You've, we've sort of expanded that that phrase, defi- uh, description, to size, character, type, just right. so people aren't, uh, you know, confused. You know, if you say the uh, location and description of the monument, well, what's the monument? Well, it's a piece of wood. I mean, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that,
2: and that and that's so important when we're supposed to be following in the footsteps. If if we're supposed to follow in the footsteps of the the original surveyor, then we should be explaining to people very, very carefully what did we set, how big is it, how long is it, how was it marked, uh, how high did we leave it above the surface or how low below the surface. Uh, All those things I think are really important.
1: Kind of jokingly during the meeting, I think I made some reference to, uh, you need to describe yours really, really well so that it's distinctive from all the others in the pin farm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, with with that we're ten minutes away from break, break, so maybe we shouldn't get too much further. But uh, yeah. Yeah. sometimes it seems that way, doesn't it? So it sure anyway, does. Yeah, let, let's go to break and we'll be back in a couple minutes.
4: Okay. Quick stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not. Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
3: Attention, surveyors. Seanstedt announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator, The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: We, before the break, we were talking about uh, monuments and, and providing a little more information about how, how, how and why we need to define those. One of the things that we talked a fair amount about uh, during the, the meeting was this whole idea of access ways and how much of the street do you show and what if it's divided and all those kind of things.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that is a, a very frequent question I get and, uh, and a good example you know, as you know, it says uh, to show the width the, of the travelway and all that stuff. Uh, and, of course, the question is, well, number one, what if it's a divided street? You know, it's a divided highway. Do I need uh, the stuff on the other side? Or it's limited access. You know, do I need to get out there? And uh, so we try to clarify that. Uh, and what we said as location of each edge of the travelway, including on divided streets and highways, uh, unless... The documents that are provided indicate that there isn't any access uh, from the surveyed property to that street, so it would be a limited access, in which case, you know, if, you, if, if property, uh, but literally there's no ability to gain access to that street or highway, then there's no use locating the pavement out there because it doesn't matter. So we uh, tried to address that. That question comes up off and on.
1: Right. And then we had to add a few more words in turn when we talked about pub, other public ways. We we inserted the word <laughs> private this time uh, yes. because that's an access way as well. Yep. And clarified a little bit of the wording. Looks like on the on railroads. I don't know if there's any story to that one or not. But.
2: Um. And we took railroads out of uh, as an example of a utility and inserted that in as which is probably where it properly belongs which is forms of access uh, to or or on or across the property and so we included railroads railroad sightings and spurs uh, up, up there in the uh, in this area about vehicular pedestrians or other form pedestrian or other form of access um, another thing i'm looking at this kurt as you know we also, there were various places in the standards where we talked about conducting the survey or doing this or doing that, and all through Section 5, we made it consistent because we're talking about what goes on in the field, and we changed all of that to, say, in the process of conducting field work so that we got consistent wording through the standards now. Um, and on Section 5, the field work is what's being addressed there. Um, we also... Uh, Tried to clarify the uh, that requirement about locating parcels or parcel corners, uh, uh, you know, along the along the street, and uh, to explain what what that was about, which is really when when we don't have uh, good information on what the right way width is, then you know we need to locate things like like fences and things like that to try and uh, help the title company have some sense of, well, maybe we, none of us know what the right way width is, but what have people been using, or what have, we, what have they apparently been using as a, a width out there? So we
1: and we added made a, kind of a similar statement, or a clarification statement, I should say, with regard to the, the Section C part on lines of possession. Um, we're, we're, we're a little more specific about talking about trees and brush and shrubbery and that kind of thing. Right. That that's
2: a question I get frequently and Dick Bales and I have talked about that quite a bit and, and we have a new sentence in there that says uh, trees, bushes, shrubs and other natural vegetation need not be located other than as specified in the contract unless they are deemed by the surveyor to be evidence of possession pursuant to the section above, which tells us to locate the character and location of evidence of possession. So uh, that kind of alleviates that issue of, well, you know, there's just these random threes. Do I need to locate them? Uh, not unless the client asks you to, not unless you think it's important, but, but with respect to the standards, not unless they appear to be evidence of possession.
1: Yeah, actually, that the fact that you mentioned that at the end where you said pursu- pursuant to another section... Um, that just pointed out, as you were saying, it uh, how important it is to kind of read this whole thing um, and not take it piece by piece, because there are so many interconnected things that you could read one one item, but it may be related to some other one. So it's really good that we're able to provide those references and have so people actually read the whole thing. I'm not sure if yeah, you know, I, I, I reads the whole thing, but we should.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It's easy to pick something out of context, which, which actually is why, and maybe we'll go on down to this other kind of major one that we added, uh, why we did that, and that's just under easements and servitudes, this is field work, and we took what used to be Table A Item 11A, which is the observed evidence of utilities, which would be things like uh, manholes, pipeline markers, valves, meters, poles, uh, guy wires, all those things, which used to be uh, an option, and we have put that as a mandatory item. And I think it's important to explain why we did that, because that is more work. But what, what happens is uh, that a, someone may look at something and say, well, that's a, that's a manhole. And I don't need to locate it because they didn't check off item 11 on table A, which is utility items. So I don't need to locate that manhole. But uh, you do need to locate that manhole if it is evidence of an easement. And the concern, and, and I have many questions on this, and as you know, was expert witness in a case one time on a million dollar lawsuit related to a surveyor did not show a manhole and said they didn't need to because it was a utility. And the confusion arising because, well, that's true, they did not need to locate it because it was a utility, but they did need to locate it because it was evidence of an easement. And almost any utility feature could potentially be evidence of an easement, and and I don't think any of us want someone out in the field looking at something and saying, well, I wonder if that's important or not, um, because the wrong answer might be uh, a major claim. So... That's why we now have decided to include uh, locating all this evidence of utilities uh, as a mandatory part of the standards, uh, and it and it really is to Severus' benefit. Um, obviously, we'll, it, it may cost more. I know in our practice we've lost we've done that for years, uh, but it prevents uh, potentially is going to prevent a problem with well I didn't I didn't think I need to locate that, and well, yeah, you did.
1: This is in the basic body. and
2: This is in the basic body. It's a new right. item under easements and servitudes, yeah.
1: As a bit of an aside, where did the term guy wire originate?
2: I have no idea, but I'll bet you can tell me.
1: <laughs> no, I can't. Actually, it's always perplexed me um, because I've heard people call it different things, guide wire. Guide wire, yeah. Things, and it's a guy wire. But I just never knew where the term came from. I thought maybe you knew. No, we'll I'd look afraid that up, I, don't. I guess. That's,
2: uh, we, We'll have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: another thing on on the location side, um, on the cemetery side, I think there's some good language there that maybe clears up some confusion for people.
2: Yeah, in 2011, we threw the word grave sites in there, uh, and that has caused some confusion because we talk about the location of cemeteries, grave sites, and burial grounds. Well, you know, does that mean you have to locate all the grave sites in the cemetery? And I think. Most of us would say, no, that's, that's not even logical, but, but it says that. And so what we've done is we have rewarded that to, say, the perimeter of cemeteries and burial grounds and the location of isolated grave sites not within a cemetery or burial ground, that uh, those would be things that the surveyor would need to locate. And, uh, and I think that's a big improvement on that item.
1: Right, and left in the, the wording that uh, prevents you from having to walk every foot of a 200-acre parcel when you're doing the boundary line right. in search of, of the, the uh, happenstance of a gravesite somewhere.
2: Right, right. So, so the responsibility has to do with uh, was, it, was this information disclosed in, uh, in documents that were provided to the surveyor, in other words a deed or you know, something that says something about a cemetery or burial ground, uh, or did we observe it in the process of conducting the survey? And there is another field work item right there that I missed. Uh, so so ALTA has no expectations. Surveyors are going to traipse all the way across the 200 or 2,000 or, or 20,000 acres. They just ask that we be observant while we're doing the survey.
1: Right. And, and then expanding on that a little bit, um, there's some clarification on the whole springs and ponds and all of that, where we have added some language?
2: Right. Under the uh, water features item, um, we it used to say location of springs together with the location of ponds, lakes, streams, and rivers. Uh, we came to the conclusion that we didn't need to separate a spring out from other things. But we also added uh, canals and ditches, and this is primarily for those out west, not exclusively, but out west where you've got irrigation canals. Uh, and then we also added marshes and swamps uh, because, um, you know, that is potential evidence of a wetland uh, and we're not going there other than this is asking us to locate, uh, you know, marshes and swamps if if we see those. Um, and, then, and then we also added running through or outside but within five feet of the perimeter boundary of the surveyed property so I think that's a that's a pretty good improvement in that whole item it adds some things that are important but it also qualifies and helps explain better uh, what our responsibility is um, with respect to locating that
1: yep yeah I agree and I don't know if we've because we we got a minute or so before we need to go to break, but um, I didn't want to jump in. We'll get on on the platter map side, and I think we pretty well covered everything in the fieldwork side that was was particularly. I don't want to use the word important, but uh, a change.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that covers the the huge majority of the kind of major things. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, and and I guess it's a, maybe a good thing to to say here that when we publish these on our website. We'll do like we did last time. We'll we'll have the the document, but we'll also have kind of this version we're looking at now, so people can find these things more easily um, as they uh, as they're reviewing it to see what the changes are. I think that was very helpful when we've done that in the past.
2: Yeah, and, um, I think that's I think that's important, right? So
1: we'll we'll do that. So so we don't run over time here. Um, let's go ahead and uh, and take our break now. It's a good time to do that, and we'll come back and pick up on the the plat part. So we'll be back shortly.
3: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know out of warranty click on repair department but here's a tip before sending it in pick up a $25 discount by going to specials and sales under the buy now tab at www.schonstedt.com
4: quick stakes is your answer to staking lightweight easy to ride on easy to use easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
3: Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator the maggie combines the best features of two flagship shunstead products the sensitivity and precision of the ga52 cx and the visual display and single-handed operation of the ga92xt contact your dealer for details or go to www.shunstead.com shunstead the best just got better you're listening
0: to America's WebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio Thank you for listening.
1: We're back for our final segment today. And for those listeners who are, have their handy-dandy copy of the 2011 standards in front of them, looking at them as we're going through this, I'm sure people are riveted by all this. Um, we are going to come back next week to make sure we cover everything in detail and what we want our listeners to do, and I'll put this in News and Views as well. Is in listening to what Gary and I are saying today, if this raises questions in your mind that we can address when we're when we're back next week, uh we'll do that as well, but we want to make sure that we cover um, this topic adequately, and I don't want to have to try to rush through so Gary is gracious enough to to agree to come back next week, and we'll finish up and pick up with anything that we hear in the meantime that that somebody heard and said and wants to say, well, what are you really talking about there?" Uh, but I appreciate you agreeing to do that, Gary. I think that'll be a big help.
2: Yeah. Not a problem.
1: And then our next next thing we come to is item six of course on the, the plat and talks about dimensioning um uh, to to various things on the on the plat. So maybe you wanna talk about the changes there.
2: Yeah, we uh we dealt with this uh issue the same way that we dealt with it in the uh in Section Five, where we said that these things need to be located to the appropriate degree of precision based on the planned use of the property, uh, another question that has frequently come up is: Well, what do I need to dimension? I mean, do I, you know, if there's a curb a foot from the boundary line, do I need to dimension that as being a foot from the boundary line? And that has never really been addressed, and and I don't know that we want to tell surveyors what they have to. Uh, Dimension, and we could we could have tons of stuff on a survey that's not necessary, but um, but we did the same thing. We said that you need to dimension it appropriately based on the planned use of the property if it's been reported in writing, uh, or if it hasn't been reported to uh, dimension it based on the existing use. And 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 what we were aiming at was, for example, if uh, this is a commercial property. You know, there's a building five feet from the line. Well, we probably ought to show that pretty pretty precisely. On the other hand, if it's a 400-acre farm and there's an old uh, barn out in the middle of the property, does that need to be located to the nearest hundredth of a foot from the nearest boundary? And the answer is probably not. And they're probably going to tear it down if they're going to develop it. Um, so we try to give uh, surveyors some guidance on that and, uh, and recognize that, that we're professionals, we you know we have some sense of what's appropriate and what's not,
1: and I think it's a, um, I think that term, what's appropriate and what isn't, is is a good term to use for the surveyor. Of course, keeping in mind that that what's relevant is important from the perspective of the user as well. So once again, I think what we're doing here is setting up a situation where. Uh, as much as some of us hate to do it, we really do need to talk to people. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and unfortunately, sometimes the person who's going to end up being that end user is not part of the conversation, and that makes it difficult as well.
2: But, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, it, you know, we we do need to be talking to people. And fine, as an example with that barn, uh, I have been involved in projects where there's been an old barn, and and they have, you know, they've ended up turning it into a, a clubhouse or something. So, you know, if I made a bad decision, I, you know, well, shoot, I can just paste that thing in. It's not going to matter. Well, then I may have a problem. So, so we do need to have those conversations. And and that's as anybody who's been in some of my programs knows. I I make uh, a little light of the fact that we don't like to, to have to engage with people. Most of us, um, but but it isn't. You know, it isn't. A, is isn't intended to be a joke, really, because we can get in all kinds of problems when we don't have conversations and, and explore Absolutely. things that we need to be doing.
1: Yep. And, and one of the sections where we have a, a lot of uh, rewording, maybe is the right term, is, is in 6B on the descriptions and dimensions. Yes. And yeah.
2: Yeah. We, um, we tried to... Separate some of this stuff out and make it a little a little more clear. And so, what we start off and said, well, the uh, uh, the the survey needs to the plat needs to show the current record description of the surveyed property, or if it is an original survey, it needs to show the current record description of the parent track that contains the surveyed property. And having said that, by the way, we way back I think in section. One or two. One of the things we did this notes in section four. One of the things we did uh, this time around was define what we mean by the term original survey. And in section four, we said uh, prepared for purposes of locating and describing real property that has not been previously separately described in documents conveying an interest in the real property. Uh that suggestion, not that warning, but the suggestion to address that came from BLM uh a while back. I think um, uh Bob uh Bob Don, I think maybe sent that suggesting because you know the term original survey in the context of BLM has a different context than when we talk about it and with respect to boundaries, so we tried to define that. But um so we so we put that in there, and then we also uh, discuss the issue of well, what if you wrote a new description? And well, if if a new description was written, and there, uh, you know, sometimes there are silly requests to write a new description uh, merely because somebody wants one written. Uh, but but if we were doing a survey for development, and someone. And it involves several parcels. They may want a perimeter description of the overall, the overall tract, including all the parcels, because they're going to ask the title company for a continuity endorsement. And uh, and so we said if you if you wrote a new description, uh, except when it's original survey, when you would be writing a new description to describe the new tract anyway. Um, we said that uh, if a new description is prepared, a note shall be provided stating either that the new description describes the same real estate as a record description, or if it does not describe the same real estate, then explain how the new description differs from the record description. And that is really important information to a title company when they're being asked to insure title, uh, whether it's a kind of beauty endorsement or anything else, uh, because, you know, we can write new descriptions all day long and, maybe it 's describing exactly the same property, or you know maybe it 's not maybe it 's for development and and there's an overlap, and the developer said, you know what let's let 's just pull back to our side of the overlap we'll quit claiming the overlap to the adjoiner, and then we don't have to worry about it. Well, when I write a new description it's it's not going to be the same property because we've cut out that overlap, so my note would need to explain that
1: right it almost reminds me of going back to the to the, To the days when surveyors actually wrote um, a description of the work they had done, a surveyor's report, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: it, and yeah. in a lot of ways, I'm not proposing there any changes in the state laws or anything, but but in a lot of ways, uh, it's kind of disappointing we don't do that anymore to so people know what we actually did. But,
2: yeah. Um. And, and as you know, I think in Indiana we pretty much have to do that. But in most areas, uh, I think a lot of times servers don't want, you know, it's proprietary information, you know. I, you know, I, I put the effort into that and I'm not going to tell people what I did, which I think is uh, uh, a big problem.
1: That's for sure. And then on the point of beginning part, we added some wording in there um, because sometimes the point of beginning of what you're doing is not Demonstrative of how you actually get to that point. So, yeah, we use the term the matter map. we need to fill the point of beginning,
2: um, or the remote point of beginning, or point of commencement, if applicable. Um, the, the reason we choose that wording is because in some parts of the country, probably in most parts of the country, if, if our meets and bounds description starts at some remote point, we will say commencing, We'll call that as a point of commencement. Uh, but it is, uh, certainly with some surveyors and in some areas, they will call that uh, remote point the point of beginning. And then when they follow through and get to the actual property, they will call that the true point of beginning. And so we've used the term point of beginning or remote point of beginning uh, and make sure that that information shows up on the survey because somebody is there trying to follow our description and and look at the plat, and I want to show them all that stuff so that they you know can follow what we did and follow where the property is with respect to the uh, description.
1: Now that takes me back a lot of years when I first moved to the part of Virginia where I live now, and started doing some work in Maryland. Having come from a more remote part of Virginia, um, and the descriptions all begin that way. They begin as a as are pretty much at, at that time they did. I don't know if they still do today, but beginning on the fifth line and then it would start with bearings and distances that are totally different from the bearings and distance of the survey that was done before <laughs> yeah. because it's oh, marketing yeah. back to old deed descriptions, and it was very, yep. very confusing until you sort of got used to what what they were doing. Yeah, and no, that practice is very,
2: very different around the country uh, in areas of You know, there's just hate writing new descriptions, and you'll see descriptions – that continue to refer to um, barns that burned down in 1890 and and <laughs> stones that uh, stones that aren't there anymore uh, and sure. joiners who haven't haven't been in joiner since 1870 and right. uh, and in other parts of the country you know there's no hesitation to to bring those up to something more more current and relevant
1: right and you know on that on that element it is something that you run into all the time you look up on the tax map who owns the land and then you go look at the old description and it's talking so to make sure you're dealing with that it it requires a lot of effort in making sure you're still talking about the same thing
2: exactly you yeah. just, just yeah. on the
1: research side and uh, i think the way the world turns in a lot of cases everybody's looking at the expeditious way of doing things and sometimes thinking oh my god i gotta go back and do that but you know for me I always felt like I needed to do it just so I felt comfortable with what I was actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. We are actually within a minute or so of when we need to go off the air today. So maybe what we can do is just to reiterate to our listeners that we will come back next week and begin uh, item six of the basic, uh, the mat mat or or map side. And we're down to about B six or B four or five at this point, and we'll come mm-hmm. back and pick up on that and go the rest of the way through, um, and all the way through certification and all the changes in Table A. Um, and as I said, I wanted to make sure we <coughs> excuse me, I didn't mean to cough into the phone there, but couldn't talk otherwise. We we wanted to make sure we cover this as well as we possibly can on the show and. Uh, have it available then for people to go back and listen to and um, and try to get as much information as we can out about the thought process behind what all these changes are. I think that's important yeah. for people to know.
2: I think it is, too. And, and as you know, there are some significant things in Table A
1: that we're going to want to talk about. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we're I, uh, ten, 10 seconds away. So I appreciate you being with me and for agreeing to be with me again next week. And we'll come back and pick up on that and, uh, and go through the rest of it. So thanks a lot, Gary. Okay, you're
0: welcome, Kurt. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All righty. You're listening to com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.